Hey, welcome to episode 47 of the Fit Life Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippitz. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. At Advantage Strength, we help people between the ages of 35 and 65 to live more, play more, and feel strong so that they can be active with their family and friends and get back to doing the things that they love to do. Uh, the Fit Life Formula podcast is a show specifically for the members of Advantage Strength and anybody else who wants to live a happy, vibrant, active life and keep themselves moving, stay healthy, keep busy, uh, and live a, a fun, active life well into old age. And so we tackle topics every week like nutrition, training, mindset, uh, cr- uh, creating better habits for yourself, um, time management, all these things that are going to help you stay active and keep moving so that you can have fun with your family and friends and, and just live life a lot more fun as you age. And so today we have a special guest with us and this is a coach at Advantage Strength and um, I'll, I'll tell the story in a second here, but I want to get Josie introduced. Uh, Josie is a student at the University of Michigan and she's been doing awesome work with us and um, I'll let I'll let Josie do kind of the rest of her own intro here. So um, Josie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So my name's Josie. I've been working for Advantage since September, I believe, um, pretty much ever since I moved out here to Michigan from California. Um, I'm studying applied exercise science um, through the kinesiology school at the University of Michigan. And I just have a huge passion for nutrition and overall health and wellness, exercise, just all that good stuff. So working for Advantage has been awesome and I really stand behind everything that Advantage stands for and it's been awesome so far. Well, kind of a fun story too. We, the way we met or the way we were introduced, we we had a mutual friend who was in a business group of mine and uh, this, your friend had said, called me, you know, back in, I don't know, it must've been April, 2018 or something. No, 2019 and said, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Said, Hey, I have, uh, somebody who's coming your way. She's going to be going to Michigan and, um, you know, she's been doing awesome for us. And so that's how we were sort of introduced. And then when we were advertising our, to be honest, I, I thought for sure you'd be way too busy between, um, between cheer and, you know, getting your feet under you in school, I thought you'd be way too busy. So when we were hiring, I didn't even reach out, but turns out you reached out to us and, uh, you know, that was, that was where it all started. So I'm super happy that you had your eye on the, what was it? Was it the Indeed post? Yeah. yeah. I was looking on Indeed cause I'm the type of person. I like to be busy from 5am to 9pm every day. And school and cheerleading was not enough to keep me busy. So I was kind of looking on there and then I saw the post from Advantage and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Brian. I've been in contact with him already. So it kind of was the perfect opportunity to get started with Advantage. Well, I'm super happy you you did reach out. And uh, I know a couple of times we tested that theory, that, that theory that you wanted to be busy from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. We definitely tested that a few times uh, throughout yeah. the year, but, um, yeah, you've been doing awesome and we love having you. So, um, we're excited for this and this is, um, so what we're going to be talking about are balanced habits, right? Or balanced, balanced meals, balanced, uh, nutrition. And 
the reason this is coming about, this is a presentation that you did for our members when we were um, kind of locked out during COVID-19. And so I just, I wanted to have a conversation. The, the presentation went over really well. Our members really enjoyed it. Um, so this is like one of those special things that we try to do every week while we're closed here. We want a, a special event every week, whether it's a presentation or a trivia night or a social. I'm also trying to find a way to do like a, like a murder mystery or something. I think that would be a ton of fun. I don't know if you can do that virtually, but we'll look it up. Um, but anyway, something something special every week. Um, and last week you presented for our members and it, it went over really well. So I wanted to have a conversation with you about it and have you kind of run through your presentation again. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, we can help people develop better eating habits, better snacking habits, um, and, and making sure they know what's on their plate for each meal. So, um, if you want to take it away here, Josie, go ahead and you can get into your, your presentation and I'll chime in too, when there's kind of discussion points and we'll have a nice chat about it. Awesome. Sounds good. So before I get started here, I kind of want to go over the purpose of this presentation. I feel like the fitness and nutrition industry has really complicated nutrition and it often leaves people confused on what exactly is the right thing to do. Like, should I be on the keto diet? Should I be counting every calorie? Should I be doing all these different things because we there are brands out there promoting their products and telling you that that's the magic way to weight loss or that's the magic way to optimal health. And in the last few years through studying nutrition and just, I mean, both in school and just on my own, I love just researching nutrition for fun. It's one of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> I've learned that I've learned that nutrition is a lot more simple than it seems, or it should be simpler than media puts it as. Um, so today I'm going to be talking all about achieving your health, weight, and or performance goals, whatever your goals may be, through mindful decisions in the kitchen and through eating in a balanced way. So first things first, why do we eat? Well, food equals energy, um, which the energy in food is a kilocalorie or more commonly just known as a calorie. Um, so just keep in mind, calories are energy. Too little energy, you're not going to have energy to perform the work you want to do throughout the day for your workouts, whatever it may be. And too much energy, your body's going to store that energy as fat. Um, and then just a point here that everybody requires different amounts of energy based on their gender, their height, um, their weight, their exercise levels, what their job is. Is their job super active? Those people may need you know, more calories throughout the day. And also your genetics. Um, genetics do play a big role in your metabolism. So just keeping that in mind that how much you're eating is not going to be the same amount as anybody else. Food is also super, has throughout the years um, become a huge cultural and social thing. Uh, think of Thanksgiving, think of going to get ice cream for fun or eating cake to celebrate a birthday. That's not, that has become, or I guess food has become like a celebration. Um, and it has made us 
kind of tie food with emotions, uh, which is fine sometimes, but other times when you're thinking of treats, like when you're happy, you should have treats. When you're sad, you should have treats. It can lead to um, some problems with your relationship with food and cause you to just overeat through emotional eating. Um, some people eat when they're stressed. I'm definitely a stress eater. Um, if you're sleep deprived, your hormones can get all wacky and actually increase your ghrelin levels, which is the hormone that makes you more hungry. Um, if you're hormonally imbalanced, that can lead to false senses of um, hunger when you don't really need those calories. And also a lot of people eat when they are bored, which throughout COVID, I'm sure a lot of people have struggled with boredom eating. I know I've had moments where I just wanted to snack because I'm next to the kitchen all day. I'm stuck at home and there's really nothing else to do. So those are things that we're going to try to eliminate, but there's struggles for everybody. So don't feel bad if sometimes you're eating because you're bored. Um, just try to stay mindful of that. All right. So Josie, maybe, maybe you're going to get into this in a little bit. Um, so how do we, are we going to talk about boredom eating later on? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely going to talk about that later on and strange. how to kind of conquer that. Yeah. Uh, cool. For now, just being mindful that it, it happens. Okay. Okay. So good nutrition or properly fueling your body does not require, you know, all organic ingredients, advanced cooking skills, hours in the kitchen, super expensive grocery bills. All it really does require is mindfulness when making decisions around food. And we'll get into a little bit later on how to be mindful around food. Um, it's a lot easier said than done, but I'll give you some tools to work on that. But before we delve into that, I just want to give some basic nutritional science so that you can have a basic understanding of aspects of food and how they affect your body. So macronutrients and micronutrients make up the food that we eat. Macronutrients are the, the nutrients we consume in larger quantities that actually provide calories or energy to the body. So this includes your proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Every macronutrient has different metabolic functions in the body and fuels your metabolism, which is what allows your body to function in the most basic terms possible. Micronutrients, we only need in small quantities, so like in milligrams rather than grams, and they don't actually provide calories. Um, these things, this would be like your vitamins and your minerals that you often find in fruits and vegetables. And these micronutrients, even though they don't provide energy to the body, they are essential for assisting a lot of different metabolic processes in your body and for just maintaining your overall health. So now we're going to delve into the different macronutrients, your protein, carbs, and fat, and why each one is important. So we'll start with protein. So protein builds your bodily tissues. It builds enzymes and cellular transporters. It allows for fluid balance, pH balance, hormone production, and immune function. So clearly it has a huge role in the body, and so it is definitely essential in the diet. The USDA guidelines 
suggest that at a minimum, women get 46 grams of protein per day and men get 56 grams of protein per day or 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. Now that is the bare minimum recommendation. That is the RDA, um, recommended daily allowance. Basically what the RDA is, is if you hit that number, I think it's 80% of people, um, 80% of people need at least that much. I think that's what it is. Um, but as you know, people who exercise a lot, or if your goal is to increase your muscle mass, then you're going to want to shoot somewhere between 1.2 and 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Um, that will also allow you to, you know, lose weight without losing muscle mass. It'll allow you to increase your strength in the gym and just improve your recovery. So protein is very important, especially for members at Advantage who are working out multiple times a week. I definitely recommend between 1.2 and 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. What does um, that look like usually? Do you know, like, is that an effort or is that something that you would typically get with, with meals? So like, let's say um, I was really trying to up my protein intake um, and I wanted to go with two, two grams per kilogram of body weight per day. What, what is that? Can I get that through regular meals? Do I need to take a supplement? How does that, how does that um, look in daily life? I think that if you are making sure to include a protein source at every meal and snack, it can be achieved fairly easily. Obviously, protein powders and other supplements are options, but I don't think they're necessary. Um, I personally, I do use a whey protein supplement, but it's definitely not necessary. Um, some good protein sources are like just meat, fish, dairy, eggs. As long as you're having some sort of protein source at every meal in a good portion size, I think that it's pretty achievable uh, through regular meals and snacks. I think that the only time it wouldn't be achievable is if you know, for breakfast and lunch, you just have really high carb or high fat meals. And then for dinner, you're left needing 100 grams of protein. <laughs> so just having balanced meals, which we'll get into later, will allow you to just fairly easily get your protein for the day. Okay. Um, so yeah, like I said, protein sources, meat, dairy, I love Greek yogurt, um, eggs, specifically the egg white has is very, very high in protein. Uh, some plant-based options include soy, quinoa, rice and beans, Ezekiel bread, hummus and pita, stuff like that. You can also always use supplements, but don't rely on supplements for your protein. Try to get as much as you can from whole foods. And then if you're not quite meeting your protein needs, then adding a supplement is an option. So next thing for protein is talking about protein timing. There's a myth out there that if you don't slam 30 grams of a protein shake right after your workout, that you're not going to recover, you're not going to build muscle. Um, this actually is not true. You don't need to have protein directly after your workout, but in order to optimize uh, muscle building, you want to have your protein evenly spaced throughout the day, meaning around 20 grams of protein every three to four hours. 
So for me, I make sure that my breakfast, I get at least 20 grams of protein. A couple hours later, I'm getting another 20 grams. But by the end of the day, I'm reaching my protein goal. That's not necessarily essential for everybody, but if building muscle is your goal, then that's definitely something to focus on. All right, now we're going to talk about carbohydrates. Carbs are your body's preferred fuel source. Um, it's the easiest for our body to convert carbohydrates into energy compared to fats or protein. A lot of people dismiss carbohydrates as an important post-workout fuel source, or I guess refuel source, but it is important to have some carbohydrates after your workouts to refuel your muscle glycogen. Carbohydrates are often blamed as a cause of weight gain, but these statements come from misinformation or misunderstanding. We can survive without carbohydrates, but they are necessary to optimize health and performance because they fuel our muscle glycogen, which is muscle glycogen is basically stored energy in your muscles. Um, they also provide fiber, which is really necessary for digestion. And a lot of carbohydrates have a lot of micronutrients in them. So I definitely don't recommend cutting carbs from your diet completely, even though a lot of magazines and people on social media might tell you that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I do want to chip in here. Um, you know, this is where the, this is where the keto people start coming after you. Uh, yeah. In, in that, you know, well, I don't need carbohydrates because I don't need to use muscle glycogen because I can use ketones as, you know, and, and that's the whole thing about the keto diet is it's very, very, very low carb. So your body turns to other sources of fuel for energy. Um, you know, I think too, the, it's, it's like a car, right? So you, you can put fuel in a car, but if you're not taking care of all of the other things, the car's not going to work right. Right. So if, if, food is your fuel and you just, you just eat food. Um, and let's say you leave carbohydrates out. Well, may, maybe carbohydrates are taking care of some of the other things like keeping the tire pressure regulated and making sure the windshield is clean and check and making sure you have fresh oil, you know, like carbohydrates are, are essential, especially when you get them in, in the form of whole grains. Um, they're essential because they they help your body take care of other things. Much like you were talking about the vitamins and minerals, of the, the micronutrients. Um, every macronutrient has its own role to play in terms of making your helping your body function efficiently. And so that's why you know there are a few people who will say like, oh, the keto diet works great for me, or the paleo diet works great for me, but you know, the, the fact is that maybe that's just them. And there's, I think you're actually going to talk about this later. Um, so I'm not going to steal your thunder on that one, but it's important as we're going through this, don't dismiss if you're, if you're listening and you're thinking like, Oh, I'm on low carb and it works great for me. Don't dismiss, um, you know, the, the well-rounded or the well-balanced diet just yet. Um, you know, it's important to kind of, to kind of hear it out and, and know that the, the correct answer is somewhere in the middle, right? A, a balanced diet. So I did want to jump in there and just kind of create a better a mindset, better mindset going forward for people who might be saying like, nah, I don't need that, or I'm on a low fat diet and it's, you know, it's been working okay for me. And 
all this. So, um, you know, really, really pay attention here to what, to what the benefit of each macronutrient is. Uh, and then we'll talk about better ways to put them together in a, in a few minutes. Yeah, I think a lot of people, because it's so prominent in um, just online these days, the keto diet, people are so quick to have their opinions about carbohydrates. And it's, it's really hard to combat that and to convince people that carbohydrates are good for you. But it's kind of like what you're saying, you know, you wouldn't want to, if you can optimize the way your body is fueled, why wouldn't you? And carbohydrates are the optimal fuel for your body. Um, well, so the other, the other thing is too, you will, you will store, you will store more water um, if you have carbohydrates in your diet. So when people say it, when people start a low carb or no carb diet and in whatever, two, three weeks, they've lost 10 pounds and are feeling super lean. They're like, this is working for me. Sweet. But really it's the long-term effect. Um, you know, you, you lose the first, you know, depending on wh what you have to lose, I guess you lose the first maybe five to 10 pounds very easily. And then you find that things get harder and harder and harder and harder to lose. Um, so while you may have had some initial success, I know that, that it's not a long know that it's not a long term solution. And like Josie's going to talk about here in a bit, here in a bit, um, it is it is better to take a well balanced approach to kind of this long term weight loss or let's call it health maintenance. Yeah, and that's another point. Kind of jumping ahead of myself here, but um, it's not necessarily sustainable and. You know, if you think, okay, I'm going to be keto for the rest of my life and you genuinely believe that you can do it, then maybe it is right for you. But for most people, they can't see themselves never touching a carb ever again. And the best way to, you know, develop healthy habits is to stick to something that is sustainable and that you can be consistent with and that you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life. And just having an overall well balanced diet at least personally, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life, but I could not see myself never having a piece of bread ever again. So it's just, it's just think when you were thinking about trying something new, just think to yourself, is this sustainable? What are the long-term possible health effects of this? Is it healthy for me? You know, is it like you were saying, is it just going to work for the first week? Or am I going to be able to sustain this over time? So that's just something to think about. But I'll hop back in here, talk a little bit more about carbohydrates while we're on the transitioning from the anti-carb to the carb topics. Um, so carbohydrates can either be simple or complex carbohydrates. So you've got your starches, which are your complex carbs, including grains, corn, rice, barley, vegetables, beans, and wheat. These are going to be, give you more, more of a prolonged energy. You're not going to get quite as big of an insulin spike as you would from sugars, which include sweets, candy, sugar, like cane sugar, fruit, and milk. Um, fruit is in that category, but there's a lot of fiber in fruit that slows that digestion. So you're not going to get such a big spike in or spike in blood sugar 
but sugars sometimes are important for quick energy. If you're having a super long, tough workout, um, that's why athletes have Gatorade. It gives them that sugar, that's quick energy. Your body's able to quickly use that for fuel. Um, so while it's not always the best thing to have a lot of sugar in your diet, there can be moments when um, it can be used as a tool to give you quick energy. But overall, trying to limit your sugary carbs and increase your starches, so your whole grains, um, your vegetables, that kind of stuff will leave you more satisfied, give you longer term energy, and will help you not overeat because it's easy to overeat on sugary foods. Another super, super important part of carbohydrates is fiber. What fiber is, it's basically the indigestible part of carbohydrates, um, which can lead to, it can promote weight loss because it delays the gastric emptying from your stomach. So it makes you feel fuller for longer, um, which if you're feeling fuller for longer, you're probably going to consume less calories throughout the day. It can reduce the risk for cardiovascular disease uh, because fiber binds to cholesterol particles. Uh, it can help with your bowel movement and your intestinal health. So just keeping things regular. Um, and it can also help with diabetes protection. So fiber, as I was mentioning with the fruit, it slows that spike in blood sugar. Um, and then lastly, it can help improve your absorption of foods in your digestive system. So fiber is super important. That's another big reason not to cut out carbs because fiber is very, very important. You want to get at least 25 grams per day for women and at least 38 grams a day for men. Some high fiber food sources like oatmeal, beans, apples, pears, um, whole grain wheat, so some whole grain bread, celery, rice, quinoa, broccoli, stuff like that. What about the processed stuff that, that says it's high fiber or says it has X number of grams of fiber? What might be one of the issues with, with the processed type, the processed version of fiber rather than all the whole foods you just mentioned? Yeah. So something, the first thing that comes to mind is fiber one bars. And I, you know, those are like a processed um, bar. I don't know if they consider themselves a protein bar or whatever it is, but they add fiber to it. I find that that leaves me extremely gassy, gives me digestive discomfort. It just kind of messes with my stomach. Um, whereas getting my fiber from whole foods definitely feels a lot better. So maybe um, added sources of fiber work for some people, but for me, it kind of distresses my digestive system rather than helping it, which is the whole reason I try to get enough fiber. So just keep that in mind. I think that a lot of people do have digestive issues when consuming too much fiber. So for women, they should be getting 25 grams, but trying not to go over 35 grams per day. Because once you get into that super you know, high range of fiber, it can be a little bit rough on your digestive system. So that might be why uh, fiber supplements or added fiber to things cause some digestional problems just because it's in such a high dose. Um, but yeah, I definitely think getting it from whole foods is a lot better than taking a supplement or having some sort of fiber fortified processed food. 
Yeah, when you're when you're tallying all of, all of this up too, remember that you know most fresh vegetables are high in fiber too. So so you know on the carbohydrate side, that's going to be uh, potatoes, um, squashes like starchy root vegetables, that kind of stuff. So don't forget it. They they don't just come from carbohydrates. They're also coming from plant sources, particularly those starchy vegetables, and then also um, like leafy greens, especially real hearty leafy greens like kale or, or collard greens or something like that. Yeah, that's another thing is um, remember that when you're getting your source of carbohydrates, it doesn't have to be bread or rice. It can be potatoes or sweet potatoes or squash. You can use more like vegetable-based carbohydrate sources. Um, you don't always, you don't have to eat bread if you don't want to. So, and a lot of the time, those starchy vegetables are a better source of fiber even than a whole grain bread. So yeah, those are definitely good options. All right, next we're gonna talk about fats. So fats are necessary as a source of energy to the body. Um, they give you essential amino acids, omegas threes and omega sixes, and they also help to metabolize fat soluble vitamins. So vitamins A, E, D, and K, that you're going to get from your micronutrients from your veggies or whatever it may be those actually don't get absorbed into the body without the assistance of fat so if you have a super low fat diet then your body will not be absorbing as many nutrients as it could if you um, incorporated some healthy fats in there but keep in mind fats are a major source of energy they have nine calories per gram whereas carbohydrates and protein only have four calories per gram so your fat serving size is always going to be pretty significantly smaller than a protein or a carb serving size just because it's more calorie dense so within the category of fats we have our saturated and our unsaturated fats I don't want you to be afraid of saturated fats, um, but definitely consume these in moderation. They have been linked to um, increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So definitely consume these in moderation. This includes butter, lard, full fat dairy, beef, and canola or coconut oil. Um, unsaturated fats are less likely to cause cholesterol buildup in your arteries. So try to stick to mostly unsaturated fats. This includes avocados and avocado oil, olives and olive oil, fatty fish like salmon, nuts and seeds or peanut butter, stuff like that um, is going to give you those nice, clean, unsaturated fats. And then lastly, before we get into how to build a balanced meal, I just want to talk about fruits and vegetables. So fruits and vegetables, everyone knows they're healthy. Um, people might not know exactly why, though. Um, because vegetables specifically don't really provide a whole lot of calories. So you might think, well, I'm not really getting much energy from this, but they do provide tons of micronutrients, which as I mentioned earlier, are essential for assisting a lot of bodily processes. You may have heard that carrots help you see it's because the vitamin, vitamin C in carrots is connected to your vision. So just little things like that, um, these micronutrients assist with just every little bodily process. So make sure you're getting your servings of fruits and veggies. 
So now that you know all the different components of food, you've got your protein, your carbs, your fat, you've got your fruits and vegetables, you know, what is balanced eating? How do I build a balanced plate? This is something that once you know the basic components of the meal, it's pretty easy to put together. So a balanced plate looks like a portion of protein, carbohydrate, fat, and then a fruit or a vegetable. So having all of these at every meal increases your satiety and it ensures that you get adequate amounts of macro and micronutrients throughout the day. So as we were talking about earlier with protein, if you have pretty unbalanced meals throughout the day and you're not really getting enough protein throughout the day and you have a protein goal of say 130 grams of protein, you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to eat? Um, that has 130 grams of protein, it's gonna be a lot harder to get that in. But if you have 20 grams of protein every three to four hours with every meal or snack, then it's gonna be a lot easier to get that protein in there. Um, same with micronutrients. If you are having a fruit or a vegetable with every meal, you're not gonna need to load up on a giant salad at the end of the day to get in your micros. Um, and it also ensures that you're getting adequate nutrition without obsessively tracking calories or keeping track of your nutrient intakes. Uh, in order to you know, keep your caloric intake in check, make sure you're measuring out proper, you, know, you don't necessarily need to measure, but just keeping uh, like the hand rule, the hand rule that Brian was talking about, like keeping your fats to like the inside of your palm, or I think it was like two fingers. Um, I don't remember the exact chart, but keeping your portion sizes, protein, the size of your hand, um, well, making I can, sure you're... I can chime in on that. Okay, um, yeah. You know more about this chart than I do, but <laughs> keeping your portions in check is important. So go ahead with that. No, I I think it can be really overwhelming. That's why this, you know, using your hand as a as a portion control guide is a really nice, simple, easy way to do it. Your hand is always with you. Um, if we get into counting, you know, like thinking, okay, I need 130 grams protein. I need um, 25 grams of fiber. You know, unless you have an app that, that you're using that really works for you, you're either stuck counting, doing math throughout the day, or the needing to carry a scale around with you. Um, and so, you know, this idea of, that's why I think you mentioned early on, like this, the answer is simpler than people want to make it out to be. And so the, the answer really is these, these balanced meals in proper portions. And um, the portion sizes are using your palm as a, as a guide for a, si a serving of protein. So if you think of, um, you know, one, one chicken breast. And usually for, for women, it's one and for guys, it's two, right? So, um, serving size, the size of the palm of your hand. The other nice thing about that is that your hand is, is scalable. So I'm a pretty big person, so I have pretty big hands. So, um, that means my portion sizes might be bigger than somebody who is, um, or say, a um, a woman who is five, two, right? So there's a big difference there, but, um, yeah, so it's a the palm of your hand is a is a serving of protein. If you were to cup your hand and you know hold whatever you could hold would be a, a serving of carbohydrate. So that might be like depending on your size, uh, three red potatoes or you know a cupped handful of 
brown rice or whatever it is. Um, the fat serving is your thumb. So think of if your thumb was like a, like a, I don't know, hollow or something. If you were filling, if you're using olive oil on a salad, if whatever amount would fill up your thumb, that would, uh, that would be your serving of fat. And then when you clench your fist, when you make a fist and you look at that size, that's the size, um, serving of vegetables that you would, that you would want with each meal. So yeah, like the components are there and it really can be that simple as, as just using your hand as a measuring guide to control your portion size. Um, because like you said in the beginning, it's, it's, the answer is in the middle. The answer lies in the middle. It's not way over on the low fat side. It's not way over on the keto side. It's not intermittent fasting. Um, although those things might work for some people. Um, it's, it's the balance. It's the balance that's important. So, so I know I keep stepping on your toes here, Josie, and I apologize, but, um, I did want to talk about that because that's one of the point, biggest points that I wanted to make today too. Yeah. And thank you for clarifying that hand stuff. I didn't have it memorized, but that's definitely a super good tool when you're trying to build a meal, you know, you need your protein, your carbs, your fat and your vegetable or fruit, but you don't know how much to put. So using your hand as a guide allows you to do it basically effortlessly. You don't have to count your calories. You know, you're getting the right amount of food. So that's an awesome tool to have. So I'm going to talk about how, how I build a balanced meal that wouldn't normally necessarily be balanced. So I'm using the example of oatmeal because it is one of my favorite breakfast foods. I actually had oatmeal this morning. Um, but if I just had plain oatmeal, it would be a very high carbohydrate meal and I would probably end up feeling pretty hungry like an hour or two later. I would be low on my fats and protein for the day. I just wouldn't be starting out with a nice balanced meal. So to make my meal more balanced, um, I made my oatmeal and I added a scoop of Greek yogurt on top. Greek yogurt, yogurt it's packed with protein. I love it. I love just like the plain Greek yogurt, but if you don't like that kind of bitter taste, you can go for a flavored Greek yogurt. Just watch out for the sugar in it. Um, and then I added some sliced almonds on top for some healthy fats and a handful of blueberries to get in my micronutrients. And that was a super satisfying, filling meal. And I ate it two and a half hours ago now, and I'm still full. And I know I'm going to go do a workout after this. I know it's fueling me for that. So I'm going to feel satiated, fueled, and full for several hours after that meal. Whereas if I just had the oatmeal, I'd probably get hungry pretty soon after. So you can do that with pretty much any meal. Pasta, you can add meat to it um, and vegetables into it. There's, there's a way to make every meal balanced. Um, some meals are easier than others, but it's definitely possible. Another thing is making sure that your snacks are also balanced. Um, if mid-afternoon you're feeling a little bit hungry and you go and grab a banana, that banana is going to cause a pretty big sugar blood sugar spike. And it actually might make you feel more hungry like an hour later than it did, you know, satisfying you. So instead, you could do half a banana with a tablespoon of peanut butter. That peanut butter is going to give you some healthy fats and some protein to satiate you. You'll feel fuller for longer and you're getting those healthy fats and protein in there. So just making sure even with the snacks, having fat, protein, carbs in there is very important. 
I think that happens a lot anyway. Like people tend to, if you think of, you know, snacks and these aren't even, these aren't always the best choices for people, but you know, like cheese and crackers, uh, like trail mix, dried, dried fruit and nuts. You know, a lot of times snacks end up having that, some of the more popular snacks end up having that built in already because it is, it is satisfying. Um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting to think through too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll go to make a meal and you're like, Oh, this meal's already balanced. I don't need to, you know, modify it in any way, which is awesome. Um, so next point I want to talk about here is honoring your hunger cues. I think a lot of times when people are trying to lose fat or maybe just tone up a little bit, they let themselves get really hungry because they think that they, the less food they eat, the more weight they're going to lose. This can get pretty dangerous um, because most of the time your body is going to outsmart you and you're going to end up probably overeating later on, maybe binge eating because you're mo- you let your body get to that ravenous hunger state. So avoiding ravenous hunger, I think, is really important. Um, But also recognizing, am I actually physically hungry or am I emotionally hungry? So anytime you're tempted to enter the kitchen, think to yourself, am I physically hungry? Is my stomach growling? Do I feel low energy? Do I feel like, you know, I can't perform the work I want to do? If so, go make yourself a balanced meal or snack. Um, You know, you should honor that hunger. Don't think, oh, I shouldn't eat because, you know, I already had breakfast and it's only 11 a.m. It's not lunchtime yet. Go make yourself a snack because your body's telling you that it needs that energy. But most of the time, if you've had a meal within the last few hours, you can probably think to yourself, am I physically hungry? And the answer might be no. Um, Are you feeling bored? sad? Are you just craving sugar? If that's the case, then rethink whether or not you're ready for that meal or snack. As long as you aren't ignoring physical hunger cues, it's okay to say, oh, I wasn't really hungry. Um, I'm going to wait until I do get those physical hunger cues to eat my next meal. Your body's pretty smart. It'll tell you when it physically needs food. Your mind is the one that tries to trick you and tell you you're hungry when you're not. So look for those physical hunger cues when going to have a meal. I think too, it it ends up being habit-based also, you know, like uh, if you usually take a break from work and go talk with your friend, you know, when you're at the office or whatever, and they happen to have cookies in their office or something like that, then you end up having a cookie or you meet them in the, the, the dining area or the cafeteria, whatever. A lot of times it ends up being kind of like, you know, a a habit based thing rather than a hunger based thing. And meals can even be the same, same way. So sometimes, you know, just because it's lunch doesn't mean you have to have a full lunch if you're, if you're not feeling hungry. So I think, yeah, tuning into hunger cues is a, is a, a really important thing, especially if you're trying to control weight. Yeah, definitely. All right. So our fabulous topic next is about fad diets. So as I kind of touched on in the beginning, there's so there's so much information out there. And, you know, the more information that's out there, the more 
the industry can sell to you. And I think that's why, you know, there are so many different diets out there. There's the keto diet, there's intermittent fasting, there's, I don't know, Atkins, I don't know all the different ones, but there are so many out there and people are trying to sell you something, sell you a program, sell you, you know, their 12 day or 12 week keto transformation challenge. Um, And a lot of times it is all about money and it's not about what's optimal for health because as we've touched on many times, it's not that exciting what's optimal for health. You know, balanced nutrition isn't something you can really sell. It's not this crazy new thing. It's basically the common sense diet. So talking about about keto, there aren't any studies out there that, you know, go follow somebody long-term on the long-term effects of a keto diet when their goal is fat loss. Um, There are studies out there saying that keto can help with epilepsy, but there aren't really many studies on fat loss. It's kind of a new thing. So I'm sure in the next few years, we'll get some studies out and hopefully see what the long-term health effects are, see if it's safe or not. But right now we don't really know what the long-term effects of putting your body in a state of ketosis is. Um, Basically what ketosis is, is it's when you deprive yourself of carbohydrates. So your body's not getting, you know, the preferred fuel source it wants. So it needs to convert other things to, it basically is converting other things into carbohydrates in your body. Um, So your body will convert protein into glucose. It'll convert fat into glucose, but it's basically a state of emergency in your body. Um, In all the textbooks I've read, ketosis is, says it's like an emergency state when you're going into starvation. Um, And a lot of keto promoters say that, you know, this will help tap into your fat stores to lose weight, but really it's a state of emergency for your body. So because there's no scientific evidence out there that says that this is definitely safe um, for fat loss, personally, I wouldn't try it until there is some sort of evidence out there. There's just not enough information out there to know that it's safe. Um, And then other big thing right now is intermittent fasting. Um, That's where you eat within a certain window of the day, whether it's an eight hour window, some people do smaller, like four to six hours. Some people do a little bit bigger of a window, but it's basically not eating for the majority of the day, um, which includes a lot of the time you're asleep and then eating within a certain window. A lot of people will eat from noon to 8 p.m., which this can work for some people. Um, if you're restricting the hours you can eat, sometimes for some people, it may just make them eat less overall, um, which may help you know decrease the total amount of calories and assist them with weight loss. But for other people, they might treat that eight hour window as a free for all. I can eat whatever I want. It doesn't matter if I'm eating all junk food because it's in my window and I'm going to be fasting. You might end up eating more calories in that eight hour window than you would have if you just had balanced meals throughout the day. Um, So intermittent fasting is kind of one of those things where I know it works for some people. Um, You know, when I was doing this live, um, for the Advantage members, people were saying that it helps them eliminate night snacking, which is great. Um, but I don't think you need to go as far as doing an intermittent fasting approach to eliminate night snacking. Like you could just say, I'm not going to eat after dinner. Um, because like for me personally, 
I couldn't keep up intermittent fasting because I would be ravenous at the end of the day. Um, I think not eating in the morning, I'd be burning so much energy that by the time I allowed myself to eat, I was just ravenous and ate over eight. And I didn't really see any results from it because of that. So it's kind of that one's that one is definitely personalized. Um, if you're interested in trying it out, I say try it out, but don't feel bad if it doesn't work for you. Um, next thing is extremely low calorie diets. So you'll see in magazines like 1100 calorie slim down diet or whatever it may be. Eating diets that low in calories can result in damage to your metabolism because basically your body is starving. Um, and it says, okay, well now I'm only getting this much energy. I guess I'm going to have to adapt and be able to survive on this new amount of energy. And essentially your resting metabolic rate or just how much, how many calories you burn without doing anything is going to go down and it's going to make it harder to maintain that weight loss. And, um, it's going to make it easier to gain the weight back because once you're done you know, crash dieting, you're going to go back to eating normally, but your metabolism is going to be slowed down and you're just going to, you know, pack on weight a lot easier. So definitely don't go too low in the calories. I'll talk in a little um, about how to lose weight if that's what you're looking for, but super low calorie is not the answer. It's not sustainable. Um, you're going to have to eat eventually. So slow and steady is definitely the answer. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about how to lose weight through balanced nutrition. I know that a lot of people struggle with their with losing weight. They've tried, they feel like they've tried everything. They've tried keto, they've tried intermittent fasting. The real answer is you need to be in a slight calorie deficit. Um, between three and five hundred calories per day under your maintenance calories. Now, I'm not saying you should count your calories. Um, but by eating satiating balanced meals, that probably will happen, um, without even trying, um, using the hand method for your portion sizes. Um, if you normally eat more than that, um, you know, really following that portion size, you don't need to count calories. You can, if that's for you, I know it's not for a lot of people. It's very meticulous sometimes. Um, but eating satiating meals that are maybe smaller portion sizes, but spaced throughout the day to really control your hunger. So you never feel that ravenous hunger, um, that you would feel if, you know, you're eating, you're not eating for a long period of time. So I like to eat every three to four hours, whether it's a meal or a snack. And that really helps me, um, to be able to, you know, control my portion sizes, but still stay satiated, um, get in my balanced meals and, you know, control my weight that way. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is, you know, what are some good resources for nutrition? Um, I've kind of bagged on magazines, social media and the news and that kind of stuff a ton. Um, as you can probably guess, those are not great sources of nutrition information. A lot of times it's somebody trying to sell you something and you should always, if someone's trying to sell you something, you should always question the science quote, quote, science that they're giving you just because um, 
you never really know if they're just trying to make money or if they really have your health in mind. So some sources that are completely scientifically backed, um, choosemyplate.gov. That is the government recommendations for nutrition. It kind of, it's super helpful for building a balanced plate. Um, it kind of shows you a plate and shows you what portions should be what. So I actually really like that site. Nutrition.gov, eatright.org, and harvard.edu slash nutrition source is a really good one. Um, they have all, they have a lot of more sciencey information that is all scientific based. And then lastly, a registered dietitian. If you're having any sort of health issues, a registered dietitian is like the top tier nutrition expert. So definitely consult one of those if you're having any sort of major nutrition issues. But yeah, that's basically all I've got. Do you have anything to add, Brian? Um, yeah, well, just to touch on the end there, I think if you have medical considerations, also you'd want to contact a dietitian as well. Um, but I think, you know, the, I think the overall theme here is that there isn't a perfect diet for everybody, um, which means that we've got to kind of cover bases, you know, and by, by eating a, by eating a balanced diet and having those components with each meal, or at least, you know, throughout the day, you, you're filling nutritional buckets. Um, and so, you know, in our, in our house, especially with our kids, like, I'll let our, you know, we let our kids have crackers and snacks and ice cream and that kind of stuff. But the way we kind of explain it to them is for, for them, I mean, they're, they're growing, they use a lot of energy throughout the day. Um, and as long as they've eaten the foods that are going to fill up their nutritional bucket, right? So if they um, eat healthy enough foods, then whatever they put on top of that, like we know that they're kids and they they can handle that. Now, that's not a great approach for adults, um, but we want to think of each meal as as not just fuel, but also filling filling up nutritional buckets. You know, um, we have a certain amount of nutrition that we're that we should be eating each day. There's daily recommended values, so we want to make sure that everything that you eat contributes to that. Um, throughout the day. And sometimes when you, when you do, when you are using a fad diet or you're not eating enough or, um, you know, whatever it may be, you're going to be missing components of that. And over the long haul, like you mentioned, that's a great way to put it. Your body will outsmart you, um, whether it's through cravings, uh, whether it's, you know, whatever means necessary, your body will try to get that, that kind of nutrition. So if you're always filling those nutritional buckets and you're always making sure that the food that you eat is potentially low in calories. Uh, doesn't have to be, depending on the amount that you're eating. But you know, if you're eating foods that are lower in calories and higher in nutritional value, like you know vegetables would be, typically you're going to be filling those buckets and giving yourself the best opportunity to to function well. And the last thing that I'll I know we were talking about nutrition, but if you have goals like like weight loss. Um, you know, and that, I think that would be the main one here. Don't, don't discount the role of sleep, the role of stress, um, the, the role of eating till, till you're 80% full rather than, you know, if, if you have your proper serving size on your plate and you decide three quarters of the way through that you're 80% full, you know, 
then you don't have to eat the rest, right? It's, it's all about kind of tuning into those hunger cues, like you mentioned, but don't discount the role of sleep, um, getting, getting appropriate sleep. Like you mentioned, uh, ghrelin increases and, and your, the hormones that regulate your appetite, if you're not sleeping enough, will get out of whack and you will be craving more and more of that food. And then you're either going to eat it or you're going to stress because you can't have it. And then your stress increases, right? So, um, you know, just like with, just like with food, life balance is, is just as important, is important as well. So, um, Josie, awesome job on this. And I know, you know, you, you researched quite a bit there and, and the members got, um, we had a really great discussion at the end of it as well. Uh, so unfortunately we probably can't recreate that here, but a lot of people have been trying intermittent fasting and some people said that they tried it and it didn't work. And some people tried it and said, yeah, that kind of works for them. Um, it's just about what finding what works about finding what works for you, but making sure that you're covering those nutritional bases or like I was saying before, filling the, the buckets. So, yeah. And I think in that discussion we had something that was really interesting to me is that Lisa said that, you know, she's really trying to focus on her protein and she found that the eight hour window just wasn't enough time to get in all the protein she wanted. Um, because her main goal is to build muscle. So I think it also depends on your goal. If her main goal is to build muscle, then maybe intermittent fasting is not right for her because she can't get enough protein in. But if someone's main goal is fat loss and it works for them because it gives them less time to eat, then, you know, that's awesome. It works for them. So it really depends on your goals and what works for you. And um, definitely takes some experimentation if you are going to try stuff like that. But you don't want to go through all that, then just eating balanced meals throughout the day will get the job done and, you know, fill your nutritional buckets and let you reach your goals. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good job. And, um, it was great having you on. I know this is your first podcast appearance. This is, Woohoo! <laughs> there's a lot more to come. So, um, all right. Well, Josie, thank you so much. And, uh, if you are listening, you definitely have a lot to digest now, so to say. And yeah, that was kind of fun. That worked out nice. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Look at that. But um, yeah, until next time, be sure to follow the Fit Life formula. That's three days a week of something you love to do, two days a week of strength training, and one workout that just sucks. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.